often don't realize that we are the key to our own happiness and that happiness starts with healing and transformation. Whether you need healing, guidance, clarity, understanding, or just some honest sister talk to feel connected, heard, and supported, you are welcome and safe here. So join the conversation and be healed. Welcome to Soul Healing Conversations with your host, Ross Kincaid. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Soul Healing Conversations. I'm your host, Roz Kincaid, and if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can reach me through my website, roskincaid.com, or by email at hello at roskincaid.com. You can also connect with me uh, on Facebook at Soul Healing with Roz. I hope you guys are doing well today, so check this out. (laughs) I was listening to Megan Thee Stallion's song uh, with Beyonce Savage where Megan and Beyonce are they pretty much talking about rapping and singing about the duality in being their authentic selves because, you know, you got your public self, then you got your at-home self where, you, you know, you turn up and you really let your hair down. And so I had this joint on repeat because at this point I'm feeling myself. The lyrics are hitting me just right. And oh, if you're not in, if you're into rap and hip hop and you haven't heard this song, I highly suggest that you uh, put this on your playlist if you need help tapping into your inner bad bitch because it will get you all the way there. <laughs> anyway, I came across this video after I listened to her song where she talks about collaborating with Beyonce on the song and she alludes to the fact that it kind of just happened. And out of all the many times that she crossed paths with Beyonce, you know, met her in the, all of these venues and, you know, never, never once did she directly ask B to get on the song with her. However, what she did do was passively manifest that thing. Mm-hmm. She said that at any time, anybody in any interview asked her who she would want to do a song with her automatic immediate response was Beyonce. And she left it at that. She kept the dream alive. She she kept the dream in the back of her mind and she stayed on her grind. She didn't go chasing Beyonce. She didn't go chasing her people down for an opportunity to do a song with Beyonce, which is, you know, <laughs> what some people would probably do. I don't know. All she did, y'all, was put it out there. She kept believing in the dream and bam, she's got one of the hottest songs on the radio with one of the best artists of our time. So now here's the thing. Just yesterday, I was listening to a message from Joanna the Healer, who was on the show not too long ago. And Joanna's message yesterday or in the video that I watched yesterday was about authenticity and how letting your true light shine not only allows you to see through any darkness or periods of cloudiness, but it also helps other people gain clarity, too, which is interesting. So you see, whether you're classy, bougie, ratchet. Whatever the case is, living in your truth and doing the work and whatever that work is for you gets you closer to manifesting the dream you've been holding on to. So all you got to do, y'all, is just keep it real. Keep it real with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Be true to who you are and do the work. You know, we talked about ego last week and how it pops up and, you know, how to work with that. And eventually you're going to get there, y'all. We'll get there. We just got to, you know, stay 10 toes down and keep it all the way real and do the work. Anyway, moving on. 
I have another great show for you today. Last week, Dr. Nicola Perry, the holistic psychologist, was with me for a conversation on the ego. Well, today, the good doctor is back for a follow-on conversation about trauma. And so, listen, before we get into this, I want to, you know, caution anybody who, you know, who is sensitive to this subject. If, you know, if you're feeling triggered at any point in this conversation, you have every right to turn off the the broadcast, stop listening and come back later and listen to the replay. I understand that trauma is a sensitive topic for many and I empower you right now to do whatever is right and good for you at any point in this broadcast, okay? Do what you need to do to be well and just, you know, if you need to take baby steps with this, it's cool. It's all right. No judgment. So let's get into it. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Nicole. How are you? I am so good, Ross. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to have you back on the show. We had a great, great show last week. You gave us a lot of information on understanding and managing the ego. So today what I want to do is try to start to tie in trauma into that subject because to me I see that the two kind of go hand in hand um, a little bit and one kind of can feed the other is what what it feels like to me or what I'm understanding does that does that make sense or am I off yeah no 100% I think it was a really great kind of two for a conversation for you and I to have unpacked together um, but yeah to put it nice and short and simple um, uh, the, the two are interconnected. Oftentimes the ego, as a reminder, mm-hmm. the story of us, right. That yep. encapsulates all of our habits, our habit behaviors, our habit thoughts and beliefs, our habit feelings. A lot of times that is impacted by our earliest of traumas. So the mm-hmm. two are interconnected in that way. We have a, a trauma that happens. Some of us have repeated traumas that happen. We're going to mm-hmm. unpack what trauma is and and how the two are connected, I'm sure, as we dive deeper in. But yeah. as a result, we then, a byproduct of that, if you will, is that that ego story that we talked about. That story. Oh, okay. And unfortunately, right, it doesn't go away. Yeah. Once, as we talked about last week, we explored all the reasons why it doesn't go away once we're out of that environment that maybe in which the trauma, you know, kind of had happened to us. Mm-hmm. We continue to, to live that and repeat it in the same way that a lot of us are repeating and are remaining stuck in our trauma. Interesting. So, so what I hear you saying is that it, it seems like, and I'm a pretty linear thinking person. Mm -hmm. So it feels like the trauma happens and then the ego story starts to set up as a result of the trauma or repeated trauma. Is that, is that right? Right. Or the the chicken or the egg, right? I mean, it's all so connected. It's, as if, as if it's both happening, right, at the same time and a byproduct of each, yes. Okay, gotcha. I want to make sure I, I, I got that understanding. So just like we did last week, ego comes from a place. Trauma mm-hmm. also, and trauma is a, is a huge, broad topic, like very broad. And so I want to get into and help people understand some of the places where um, trauma comes from. Um, and from what I've read and experienced myself, I mean, it can come from childhood. You can get it, you know, it can come up, it can be formed in, um, adulthood. But what I found interesting looking back at some of your content online is that you mentioned that trauma can come from ancestral, uh, lineage. 
as well. And I found that to be very interesting. Can you talk a little bit more about some of the sources of trauma and where it kind of comes from, just so we have a better understanding? Yeah, absolutely, Roz. And this is actually one of my main intentions is to talk about, you know, what I refer to as a, a much more expanded definition of trauma mm-hmm. than I think many of us, you know, as a society and definitely in the clinical field, you know, are aware of. So what do I mean when I say this? So typically, you know, in my training, and I think it was in the 90s, listeners might have heard something called an ACEs scale, Adverse Childhood Experiences Scale. Mm-hmm. And what we determined, and it's actually mind-blowing to me that it took until the 80s for this to come today. But however, what we discovered in the 80s as a field, you know, in the clinical psychology field, is that there are, you know, big glaring things that can happen in our childhood that can continue to affect us into our adulthood. That's around which the PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosis that listeners might have heard of or been familiar mm-hmm. with, those are the symptoms, right, of this type of trauma. Mm. What it was referred to back in the 80s at this ACEs scale was it's called big T. Some listeners might be familiar with big T trauma, where mm-hmm. we really conceptualize it right, as a you know, couple big glaring things. Any instances of you know, physical, sexual, emotional abuse or neglect, right? Parents having mental illness, pa- parents having ca- caregivers that are incarcerated. There's you know, a handful of points, right? And if you tick the boxes of that, the more boxes you tick, put it that way, the higher it's considered that your ACEs number is. And then they came to find the higher, the more traumas you have, and it's really simple, the more the negative impact in your mm-hmm. wellness, in mm-hmm. your, you're, you're pretty much all things from physical symptoms to emotional, to relationship, you suffer negative consequences. Okay. So I share that with you because I learned about that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew my own past experience. And what I came to realize is I didn't check many of those boxes. So I didn't score high on this ACEs scale. However, working with, when I was in private practice, when I had, did one-on-one work, what I came to realize time and time again is I was sharing a lot of the symptoms, if you will, that people who had those big glaring traumas also share, right? Hmm. I was what we call dissociated. I was disconnected from my body. Um, hmm. I had no connection to my body, to my feelings. I had really very little limited memories of my childhood as a result of it. Mm-hmm. I was struggling across the board in my relationships. Wow. I had very low self-esteem. I was highly reactive. Anything was, you know, was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, it could be my mail not being delivered, right? So you get the picture. Mm-hmm. So what I started to realize, I started, let me actually back it up. I felt really confused and I felt really broken because I thought, why am I struggling so much when the things that were supposed to make me struggle didn't happen to me? Mm-hmm. So what is it that's causing me this same range of difficulty. So what I came to realize is that there are many other forms to answer your question now of traumas Mm -hmm. that affect us, that cause the same impact that we carry the same sort of symptoms for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. into our adulthood. So I now do what is called, or I kind of, I, I profess, if you will, what I call an expanded definition of trauma, all of the other ways and all of the other experiences that many of us have lived that cause similar symptoms. And what I focus a lot on is what I now have termed, you know, spiritual trauma, mm-hmm. all of the ways in childhood where we were not honored. So, so this is probably, and anyone who tuned into our, our chat last week, 
heard me defining three core human needs. I believe this is universal that our spirit has the essence that makes us the unique entity that we are. And those three needs are to be seen, to be heard and to have the space to be authentically us. I loved how you led into this talk today. I was smiling (laughs) to you talking about, right. To you talking about authenticity, (laughs) right. And what happens when we didn't have that environment, no coincidences. I loved it. I was smiling ear to ear when I heard you. So in childhood, when we don't have those needs met, when we aren't seen, when we aren't heard, when we aren't given the space to just be who we are, what do we do? We mold ourselves mm-hmm. and we learn how to show up as a part of who we are, not as that authentically expressed self. And in my opinion, an accumulation of doing that year after year after year, relationship after relationship after relationship is a trauma. We begin to do all and live all of the same sort of symptoms of disconnect, of depersonalization, of complete emotional reactivity. Maybe we're hopeless and helpless, and we are living the same experience because, in my opinion, it is very, very difficult, right? And and mm-hmm. we, we adapt. Put it that way: we adapt. When we don't, when we can't fit into the space, we figure out the way to do that, and we suffer consequences as a result. So. So are you saying that by, how can I state this? We perpetuate, we perpetuate the trauma and and I want to say create it, create new trauma, maybe by not being our authentic self. Is that, is that valid? Absolutely. So we learn Mm -hmm. all of the ways to show up, Mm -hmm. to maintain love, to maintain connection, right? To keep our, to ensure our physical survival. And then we keep, like we talked about last week, it doesn't end once that environment ends. We then use that same condition pattern in our life, into adulthood, in our way of being, in all of our relationships. And then, yes, we, in a way, enact that same cycle that we lived in childhood, even when our circumstances had changed. Wow. That's deep, yo. (laughs) That's real deep. And I'm starting to think about how... um, this 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 topic of the the ancestral piece of it or what i what i call pathology um when i'm sitting down with my own clients and going back in their history mm-hmm. when we and i talked about this a little bit last week with the with the ego conversation is you know looking back and looking at what mom and dad brought to the table you know what unresolved stuff they brought to the table you see that happening on a regular mm-hmm. basis you pick that up you mimic yep. that behavior and now you find out that not only did mama have the problem or daddy have the problem, grandma and grandpa had the yeah. problem too. And it goes way, 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 way yeah. back. And and then it's your turn to really do something about it, you know? Yes. And so I'm just sitting here just thinking, you know, where else is this showing up? You know, mm-hmm. not only in just relationships, but I, I, I personally feel triggered <laughs> at work. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it, just with, um, you know, expectations from school and I'm and I'm thinking about not and, and you know, not large trauma, like not massive, because sometimes it's the it's the little it's the little foxes, as, as it, say, it was saying about it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And when you let little stuff uh, uh, continue on, it can turn into big trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, I could go as far to say that in those moments of activation, like you're saying mm-hmm. trigger. You'll mm-hmm. hear me maybe pr- say things like triggers are teachers. There's yeah. a reason why you have that big of an emotional response. 
there's a reason why, right? There's an accumulation of the effects of all of this. And so I, I feel it too. And it, it's so helpful to, to look, and this is a separate conversation than when my rights are violated, when my boundaries are violated, mm-hmm. right? We all mm-hmm. have that internal guidance system that says, whoa, wait a minute, this is actually unsafe for me. The issue becomes <coughs> when we overgeneralize that, mm. right? When mm-hmm. we start to, when we, when we become stuck, you know, when, when we tend to feel unsafe, and this is what happens a lot of us. So for me, I was so stuck in what's called a fight or flight response. Yeah. That's why that hypervigilance, that hyperreactivity. And what happens is everything does become very threat. It does appear to be a threat. Right. Mm-hmm. So everything I'm reacting to, and that's what a trigger is. So again, this isn't, this isn't a conversation about rights violations and, you know, I feel angry and that's going to activate me into the response that I need to keep myself safe. That happens for us humans to begin with, mm-hmm. but a lot of us, right. Are reacting to old stuff um, to So those moments of activation, like you're saying, or of being triggered for many of us, that has so much information in there that contains for a lot of us, those earliest wounds and then why it's so big, right? Why we say, oh, I'm triggered, I'm activated. I'm like, it's so big. It's right. because it's the, the result, right? Of all of the years of accumulation of the feelings and reacting in the same way. Wow. I'm sitting here once again, relating it to my own personal life. And I'm sure many mothers <laughs> uh, can can relate, especially if you have uh, small children or small child like I do. Um, I'm just thinking about how activated my child makes me and not that she's doing it on purpose. And, it, and it's not really me responding to her. But now I'm realizing that I'm responding to something that happened way back when that is showing up. Now, it's like, and somebody told me that she came here to help me heal. And I, I swear to God, I'm yeah. seeing it now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, when, so, you know, when, when I feel like she's, cause she's three and she's, she's a different kind of three. <laughs> she's sassy. <laughs> Woo, she, you know, she's real sassy and, and very nonconformist. And, and oftentimes I, I equate to her response to me trying to give her structure uh, not conforming to that as a sign of disrespect, but it's not really that I'm seeing now. It's not really, of course, she's a child. She's exploring her boundaries and all of that and yeah. doing mm-hmm. normal, healthy stuff. But it's, but now I'm seeing that maybe it's me. Maybe it's I'm responding to somebody who disrespected me back in, I don't know, 1999. Mm-hmm. when it went unresolved and I felt like I was ran over and you know nobody respected my boundaries and this and that and you know and mm-hmm. and so now it's starting to come clear that it's not now that it's not today's situation that you're responding to it's the trauma from years ago that you didn't even know you had <laughs> that's coming up and and today is the bomb that goes off to say hey you forgot one back here yep Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's eye opening. That's eye opening. And, I, and I'm hoping that that kind of helps some of um, the other parents. Uh, I feel like there are other women out there that deal with the same thing and, and it's not your kid. It's, 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 it's something else. And so that just, that's, that's very eye opening. I'm so thankful that you have explained that and made that so clear because I think we need to refocus and mm-hmm. I think we, we're trying to dig up trauma in the wrong places sometimes, you know? 
Yeah. And I think this, you know, and again, not being a parent myself, I can't speak personally to this, though I've worked with a lot of parents yeah. who carry so much shame. I know I, so I, the, the, the comparable for me is when I see myself living old reactions with my partner in particular, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So I'm, I'm doing that right now. I'm in the middle of, you know, some family stuff that's happening and I'm, you know, having feelings come up, age old feelings, mm-hmm. right? And I'm doing all at moments, I'm observing myself do the same old things I used to do when I feel activated, which is I, my energy is really high and I'm irritable. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm snipping right to my partner. And then after the fact, or even sometimes in real time, that little voice in me is, I feel bad. I feel bad. I've done it. So the, that's kind of what I say comparable yeah. to parents, right? Yeah. I know a lot of parents out there, right? Who overreact, yes. react from that place of trauma. Maybe they yell, maybe they silent treatment their child. Maybe they just do something that they don't feel so great at about afterward. And then they feel shameful. They feel like, what's wrong with me? Why am I a bad parent or, you know, quote unquote, bad parent doing this to my child? So I am here to share and to say and to, you know, offer the opportunity to do two things, get curious, right? Why, Mm -hmm. why, why is this? Like, just like you did. Okay. What is it about respect? What are these moments that are happening between me and my child, right? That I'm assigning this particular meeting. Can this map on to my past experience and I'm past Mm -hmm. pain that I've lived. So get curious, and the second, that's hard, you know, because right. things that we might be drawing to mind as we become more curious might be painful, right? We may not, we may not want to look necessarily at that past painful experience. So it's a very brave thing to do to get curious. And then the second C is embody compassion upon what, when you, whenever you get, whatever you're gazing upon then when you understand, right, these past experiences to have that extend that compassion to yourself yeah. and understand that that age old reaction was the best you were able to formulate at a time and a place and you're working on it and you're evolving it and it doesn't go away overnight. So we get curious and then we can extend compassion. Perfect. That, that compassion piece is, is important. <laughs> you have Very, to and hard, have, hard. Yeah, <laughs> it is hard. It is hard, especially when you have your, have yourself stuck in this um, judgment uh, energy where you're beating yourself up and you keep replaying the 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 story. Mm-hmm. My bad parent. Mm-hmm. You, no, you, listen. You, you gotta take the needle off that record at some point and get to the. I'm doing the best I can. Mm-hmm. You know, start there. I'm I'm doing the best I can. And, and whatever relationship it is, you know, for some, if for you, it's, it's with your partner. For me, it's with my kid. For somebody, it might it might be their dog. <laughs> you know yeah no in all seriousness yes yeah. mm-hmm. you know I'm doing the best I can man start there wow good stuff so listen I wanted to um get into get you talking about trauma bonds I saw this um mm-hmm. as a post on your Instagram and it was unfamiliar to me but as I started to swipe left and get mm-hmm. a little bit more into it it started to make sense about how we form these attachments um, that are related to to trauma. Can you talk a little bit more about about that about trauma bonds? Absolutely. So again, going back in time mm-hmm. to the time and space, you know, where we come. I think we talked about this a bit last week. So as a reminder, we're born as humans into a state of dependency, meaning right. we cannot meet our own needs on our own. We need mm-hmm. a someone else, a caregiver. Right. And as a reminder, as far as I see it, we have and I'm simplifying, we have three major categories of needs. We have physical needs, 
How do I continue living in this physical body? How do I keep it alive, right, from day to day? We have emotional needs. How do I navigate the complexities and energies and hormones that are our energy system as humans? And then spiritual needs. How do I honor what I believe is, you know, the entity that we are all born to this planet in, this pure spirit, this essence that's unique to us? How do I honor that? So going back in time, in the state of dependency, we can't meet our needs on our own. Again, right. we need that caregiver. Right. So automatically, we are, ent- and we are also, listeners might have heard, humans referred to as being, quote unquote, wired to connect. Meaning, back in time, now this is where ancestral stuff comes in, to mm. survive as a species, it benefited us to have groups, villages, tribes, whatever you want to call them. Because you could have things like division of labor, right? Where certain people were responsible for this aspect of keeping physical bodies alive, right? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. certain other people were responsible for other aspects. And there's also psychological benefits of being in group or or in relationship that really may uh, revolve around stress reduction um, and kind of support, things like that. Mm-hmm. So we are wired to connect with humans and we need to, because like I said, we cannot meet our own needs. So back in time, you're this little dependent human. So automatically we're geared up to be in relationship with at least one other person. And again, this is where it's unique to each of us. Our family units look different depending on where, you know, you were raised or whom you were raised by and the culture, et cetera, et cetera. So what happens is we need that relationship. So we learn how to show up to maintain that relationship in terms of human, right? So we learn to cry when we're hungry. And then hopefully if we have an attuned caregiver, they come, they meet our needs. As we get, you know, into toddlerhood, we start to have to learn how to navigate other emotions, sadness, happiness, anger, things like that. And again, Mm. with an an attuned caregiver, they help us. And all the while we're learning, we're we're in this sponge-like state. And we're forming all of those conditioned patterns the things and the habits that we talked about, right, that we're going to continue to use in life. Now, why am I talking about this? That framework, that how do we relate to others that we learned in childhood is the model that we then use to relate to all other people in our life. So mm-hmm. as you become an adult, you'll start to see mm-hmm. you have a particular and maybe for some of you, you'll start to realize you play roles in your relationship very common ones, the caretaker, the helper, right? The do-gooder, like the thing I do in my relationships. And what we start to understand, if we look back in time, there's, there's similarity in the roles that we embody, meaning we tend to do the same thing, whether it's our family we're relating to, whether it's our peers, our quote unquote friends, our professionals, and then our romantic partners, we tend to embody the same habits and patterns. So what is a trauma bond? A trauma bond, right, is that earliest way of relating that we then repeat. And why am I calling it a trauma bond? Because for most of us, right, we, without that space to have our needs met in the unique way that we need our needs met, without having the space to be seen, heard, and authentically expressed, what we, what the pattern we're replicating is not, back to what you were beautifully talking about in the beginning, not a pattern of authenticity. Mm-hmm. So that's why I term it a trauma bond. It tends to be very patterned. And it's not necessarily creating relationships in which we feel safe to express our core, authentic, physical, wow. emotional, and spiritual needs. 
it's like we're almost in uh not almost but like we're in performance mode all the time like we're yes. playing a role all the time and that shit gets tiring <laughs> i was gonna say no wonder why everyone is so exhausted is so what is the word you said i'm burnt out burnt out I'm tired <laughs> and you know what i you know what some of us then are angry at everyone mm-hmm. and everything and everything outside of ourselves because we keep showing up as roles right and i know i used to do this i used to be a helper who put everyone else and their wants and their needs before me and before long well years decades of it what would happen i was mad at everyone who needed something of me mm. and i came to realize right Roz, that that's not necessary you know that for me wasn't necessarily fair because if i'm really honest I have to look at the person who didn't identify and acknowledge their needs along the way. And that person was me, mm, not listen. the other person. <laughs> and then, ooh, that's powerful. Listen, we need to take a quick break. Dang, that was good. We're coming right back with Dr. Nicole. And uh, we're going to f- continue this conversation on trauma. You got <laughs> my words right now. You just blew me away. You guys sit tight. We'll be right back. <laughs> You have a passion, and from that passion, you've created a business. But how do you market and grow that business? Hi, I'm Emily of Shine Coaching and Consulting. I specialize in brand identity, website design, marketing consulting, and business coaching. I create a visual expression of my clients' ideas and help them develop a business strategy to meet their goals. Connect with me today at shinecoachingandconsulting.com. Be inspired. Be real. Be you. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com again that's jeff spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com voice america is where you are and where you want to be join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available don't forget to view all our live events including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand, all from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. You are tuned in to Soul Healing Conversations. If you would like to reach Roz Kincaid or her guest today, please call into the program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to hello at roskincaid.com. Now, back to Soul Healing Conversations. 
Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Roz Kincaid, and joining me in conversation is Dr. Nicola Perra, the holistic psychologist. So before the break, Doc, you and I were talking about trauma bonds, and you had used the example of, or you were talking about how these these bonds form by um, by us playing a particular role to maintain our basic need in 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 the relationship. And before we went to break, you had given the example of how you were the helper, uh, typically were the helper in the in the relationship and how, you know, that brought on some resentment and some anger. But it was really not anger, you know, it was resentment towards other people. But really, we were you, you kind of were creating that or we were talking about over the break, how we create that resentment and anger because we continue to be in these roles and it's not easy. It's never easy to break out of those roles. And we go through, and when we do, we go through this dark night of the soul. And it's like, if I'm not this person, I don't have value and I'm nobody and I don't have an identity. And who, who am I in? You know? And, and it's crazy, man, that you, it, it just blew my mind because that is exactly what happens. That is exactly what happens when we get into these, whatever relationship it is in, whether it be familial, platonic, friendship, work, whatever the case may be, it gets exhausting to play these damn roles and not be our authentic self. And sometimes tell people, go do it yourself, especially mm-hmm. grown people. <laughs> go, go, go do it, do it your fucking self. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm giggling, but I, in all truth, you know, my, the, my dark night of the soul was a state, I think, of pure physical, emotional, and spiritual exhaustion mm. of showing up with everyone else's needs being placed in front of mine. There is a very real toll it takes. Yeah. And what that then looked like for me, you know, through several years of unfolding until it really reached its like critical mass, where I was like, okay, what is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. It looked like symptoms, it like physical symptoms. I started to faint. I, I mean, talk about my anxiety through the really? roof. I was so. I mean, I, yeah, we could have physical symptoms. You could be stuck emotionally. I mean, it, it, we really do start to express um, all of the ways that our needs aren't being expressed um, in, in many, 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 many different ways. And I think sometimes we confuse it. We confuse it for, you know, diagnoses and anxieties and pan- I mean, I, I, the, at one time I, could, I met criteria for mm-hmm. generalized anxiety disorder, for panic disorder, for obsessive compulsive disorder. I mean, the list really went on, you know, wow. and I could have checked all of those boxes, you know, and a lot of it was just this way of being this completely everyone else before me, everyone else before me. And mm. it takes a toll. Yeah, definitely. It's going to show up in your body. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm no doctor. I'm no, no physician, but I truly believe that there is this connection, of course, mind, body, and, and, and spirit, that when you um, don't release yourself from certain behavioral patterns and anxieties and stresses or things that bring that stuff on, I, I really think that that stuff can manifest through yes. stuff like lupus, uh, yeah. uh, you know, autoimmune deficiencies and, and ailments and dis-ease, you know? And... Yeah. Um, I was sharing with somebody, I think I might've been at work call where I told, mm-hmm. I might've been a day actually. I told somebody, look, if you don't communicate with me, I'm going to get real anxious and I'm not going to feel safe. And I don't even know why I had the wherewithal, you know, where, where that came mm-hmm. from, from people. And they just struggled at me. And I'm like, damn, I just told these people all my business. <laughs> but, but really the anger, 
I can really identify with the anger and the resentment because I'm I'm performing for you. You know, I'm I'm playing this role for you, whether you realize it or not. And when you don't return back to me what I gave you, then I'm 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 gonna feel a way about it. And so for anybody that's listening, start taking a look at that stuff. You know, start taking a look at that stuff. Start looking at um, you know, what's going on in your emotions, what's going on in your body, you know, itching. I don't know why itching just came up for me, but you know, people start to itch or scratch or whatever the case may be. Something in their skin starts to tingle. And maybe it's not that. Maybe it's some kind of unresolved trauma that you have uh that needs to be that needs attention. I mean that, what what else can we look, you know, what else uh, uh, does unresolved trauma look like on a physical, emotional, spiritual level? What can we look for? Yeah. Well, I, I want to just highlight a word you said, Ross, because it's really an important word in, mm-hmm. in this whole story about trauma and why we're talking about it. And you said the word safety. I can also mm-hmm. add security yeah. because I just want to highlight for listeners that it's, it's oftentimes everything you and I are talking about, these examples we're giving. For many of us, it's not conscious. We're not saying, yeah. I did this exact. Some of us are, but some of, most of us aren't, right? So this is all so outside of our awareness. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, it's really our intention in this way of being and how we're showing up to our relationships, maybe for me and being the helper, is our attempt at keeping ourselves safe. Mm-hmm. at keeping ourselves protected and in, in the familiar type of relationship, even if it's not the healthiest type, you know, quote, unquote, the type of relationship that we're used to being in something you and I talked about last week, we talked about the ego mm-hmm. is our, it's, it's drive to keep us in the familiar. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of times, and I just, that's why I'm highlighting safety and security because like intuitively, you know, when people are looking and, you know, kind of finding the, like observing their way of being in the world, it, it might not look like they're trying to keep themselves safe, right? Especially if the, the pattern or trauma bonds or, you know, maybe not the, the, the healthiest type of relationship mm-hmm. that they can't find themselves out of them. They always see this as so unconscious and familiar equals safe. That's the important thing. So what can it look like? I mean, really it can look like any pattern way of being any way we show up in the world so just keeping it or in relationship right how do we express our needs or don't we how what what emotions you know are we are available to us when we're in relationship intuitively you might think oh all of them you might not actually live that experience for me the only two feelings until I began to heal that I was used to in my trauma bond Mm -hmm. were stress and then lack thereof, at which time I desperately looked for stress. So it was like, that's <laughs> all I knew, right? So when I began to observe my relationships, I didn't see anger. I didn't really see sadness. Hmm. I didn't see joy. All I saw, saw was that restricted range of emotions really revolving around stress, wow. right? So look, look at your, look at the way of being, ask yourself, what type of relationship do you always find yourself in? What meaning, what do you tell yourself about these relationships? What do you tell yourself about yourself and the role you're playing? What role are you playing? What feelings are present, right? And all of that's going to contain likely information that's going to relate back to these earliest models, these earliest relationships. And then again, as we evolve, so that takes some time to Mm -hmm. explore our current patterns, And then that opens the door 
because I'm sure a lot of people are listening. Okay, well, how do I break them? How do I create new ones? Right. Right. So once we become aware of the patterns that we're repeating, maybe the roles that we're repeating in our, our all of our relationships, then we can get clear on, okay, well, how do I make this more authentic? How do I move and start to build in new habits and patterns in my relationships where I can be more authentically expressed? And then we gradually, right, evolve our relationships into something that works better. You know what I'm sitting here thinking about? I'm thinking about um, social expectation, I guess you could say, Um, how that plays a role in kind of stepping into authenticity and walking away from some of these uh, trauma bonds and not playing, you know, doing this dance with people that we we find ourselves or that or feeds into the stress or the the symptoms of trauma. And um, I'm particularly thinking about men, <laughs> men in general at, you know, how I can only imagine how hard it can be for for either men or, or women who are um, more masculine to. Um, I guess, to express or to feel like they can can be authentic and not play this role. Like I have to be strong. I have to protect. I have to, you know what I'm saying? I have to have this gender role or, or whatever the case may yep. be um, to have to maintain that. And it's like, you know, it's like almost like feeling the loss of not being that person anymore and really stepping into yep. um who you really want to be, you know, who, who you want to be behind closed doors, but, but publicly, I guess you could say, does that make sense? Is what I'm saying makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. 100%. I mean, there's so many influences. There's genders, there's cultural, there's religious, there's, uh, you know, family story type ancestral narratives. My family has a very cohesive story of my last name's LaPera about what LaPera's do and what LaPera's don't do. (laughs) And what I have come to find rather than my own healing is, I don't look like the, I don't live like, I don't, I'm not them. Right. So a lot of us are mourning too, right. This kind of all of these senses of self that we have just been repeating and repeating and repeating that maybe are no longer resonating. So as I continue to then show up in my authenticity and honor it, we are, you know, kind of breaking down the barriers, deconditioning ourselves to all of those layers of messaging, whether it's the immediate family, right. Our family mantra level whether yeah. it's gender based whether it's culturally based whether mm-hmm. it's you know there's a lot of discussion when you know coming from individualistic versus collectivist cultures whether it's religion based a lot of us in heavy religious households right are told the you know anger isn't isn't real isn't catholic you know we can't be ang- i mean there's just so many layers of messaging that we oh. internalize and then we use that right as our marching order Mm-hmm. into adulthood and then as we again like you're saying beautifully as we fall into authenticity as we decondition as we find the way to be more authentically us in our relationships for a lot of us that means we start to look different than the people around us and that can be confusing and, and ostracizing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what is your advice to people who are going through that transition um to you know move from the trauma bonds move from the the traumatic uh, responses into their authentic self. And then you get hit with, you know, friends, family members, you know, what I call bucking the system and mm-hmm. kicking up and not, you know, not wanting the change to happen because again, everybody wants to stay safe. Nobody yep. wants to really, you know, have change. They, they, everybody wants to maintain status quo, but that can't happen 
when you've chosen to be more authentic and then people start to kick up, what is your advice um, to, to deal with that when people start to do that, when you've decided to make the change? Yeah, well, my first level of advice is to normalize it. Mm-hmm. It's nothing you're doing wrong. For a lot of us, it's just part of changing the dynamics, right? Yep. You're violating mm-hmm. an expectation. Um, so I want to normalize it. And I want to offer, right, what I call, um, I, I call it depersonalizing, mm-hmm. right? Which really mm-hmm. means, yes, while you might elicit that reaction, right? The person that you, you know, are changing your dynamic with might say, might react negatively in some way. So it might feel like it's about you, right? Yeah. I, I think it's important to remind ourselves that it's it's not personal, right? That what they're reacting to is a couple of things. The violation of expectation, you're doing something different than mm. you just haven't done, right? So whoop, that's surprising. All of us get surprised at first. And then on a deeper level, right? We might be you know, kind of activating in that person, their own trauma, their mm, own wounds, maybe mm-hmm. around abandonment that they're now imagining that you're abandoning them. You might not be right. This is now where it's not about you to separate ourselves out. A second word of wisdom inspired actually my online journey, because as I was shifting, as I was changing, as I was becoming more authentic and my past relationships were changing, mm-hmm. I was starting to feel lonely. I was starting oh. to feel like once I came out of my shit, you know, my hermit stage and I was like, you know what? I'm feeling like I want to begin to reconnect mm-hmm. and I'm struggling to find the people that, as I would put it in my mind, that speak the same language, that get it, that are maybe living the same way that I am now. And so I went online. So my next kind of word of advice, suggestion, awareness is that there, we have the, I know that social media, we have a love hate relationship depending on who we are. <laughs> However, I mean, the fact that I'm talking to you today, Roz, right? Talking with you today. There are connections. So a big inspiration for my Instagram account that I created only two years ago now at this point was to find those people, was Mm -hmm. to say, here, I'm going to show up. I'm going to practice speaking my story and my truth authentically. That was very hard for me, right? Because I was so concerned about how that would affect other people. Yeah, So here I am. I'm doing that for me. It was an exercise in healing. And then I sat, you know, I kind of sat with the intention and the awareness that you keep speaking your truth. Listen to how familiar. I was so smiling when you were doing your intro. If you keep showing up and vibrating in alignment and speaking your truth, the people will come to you whose mm-hmm. truth it resonates with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody's right? watching. Somebody's watching. The, and, and if nobody else, the universe is watching. And, there's, and they're going to respond to that. Mm. That's right. So a big motivator for me was to speak my truth. And to allow my truth to live in the ethers, to have that connection. And now we have an amazing community of self-healers who get it, who are speaking the same language, who maybe they don't resonate with my whole story, but part of it. And maybe I then, right? Right. So there are people out there. So anyone who's listening, as you're going through this evolution, know that you're not alone. Know that there are a lot of people who are feeling very similarly. Their story might not be exactly yours, but there you can communicate and understand and get support. Support is available. It is out there. It just might look different. The relationships might look different than you're used to. And different is okay. Different doesn't necessarily mean bad. Right. Yeah, man. The, the help is out there. The community is out there. Uh, other people are dealing with the same thing, maybe in a different way. But people need to know, like you said, that they're not alone. And so we've we've got a few more minutes before um, we start to wrap the show. And I wanted to get into um, this practice of reparenting and using reparenting as a way to heal 
trauma or heal heal ourselves from trauma. And um, being a member of your um, self-healer circle, um, you spend a lot of time getting us to work on reparenting. And I realized that um, I find myself telling my clients that, you know, a, a form of reparenting is, can be um, is what I understand it to be is that give yourself what you thought your parents should have given you. I even even advised a client of mine recently, girl, go get some ice cream, go mm-hmm. sit on the swing. You know, nobody's out at these uh, uh, playgrounds right now. Go swing, go do the stuff that you didn't get to do because you had these responsibilities as a child. Go give yourself whatever it is that you need, because at this point you're an adult. You're not a child anymore. You you have resources and you have the ability to do it. Go do it. So with that said, can you talk uh, a few minutes about reparenting and how it works and what it is? Absolutely. I mean, reparenting is is the way out. Reparenting, mm. short and simple, is the process of relearning. You heard it again. <laughs> how to meet our physical, our emotional, and our spiritual needs in the wor- way that works for us. Mm-hmm. So for many of us, that means breaking all the other habits, all the other ways we tried to meet our needs that weren't maybe authentic to us or only allowed us to express parts of ourselves. Right. So it's unlearning that patterning and developing new habits that better meet our needs. So this is why it's very individualized. It looks different, right? Some of us might need to meet our physical needs right. in a way, in a, in a different way than we learn to. For most of us as adults, we need a little bit of work in the emotional department. Many of us <laughs> don't, right, have what I call emotional maturity, myself included. I am not free. I'm a human just like anyone else. Right, right learning how to navigate my emotions there. They were completely new to me because I was not connected to them. I was dissociated. Like we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. spiritually as well. So many of us are living in out of such alignment, right. With our spiritual set self with that essence that we have, it's like a, I call it a menu, right? We have to create unlearn old habits and create new ones. And this is a daily practice. And a lot of times it's involved showing up, differently, expressing those needs differently in our relationships, thereby breaking the pattern of that trauma bond and creating new habits of connecting and of relating with other humans. Wow. It sounds so simple, but (laughs) it's a lifetime. (laughs) Yeah. It's every day, man. You you gotta be on this stuff every day. And being vigilant and aware and listen, and I feel like I can, I can, I don't know who I'm hearing, but I'm hearing somebody say, but it gets so tiring to do the work. Yeah, it does. I mean, think about how tiring it was for you to even be at this point for you to keep carrying on this way. It's, you know, it require it all requires effort. It all requires work. And, but, you know, you have to weigh, weigh the pros and the cons. Do you want to continue to, to be living in trauma? or responding to trauma mm-hmm. or, or do you want to be your authentic self where you're free and you're not, you know, you're not a marionette and being controlled by this stuff, you know? And so and I, it's tiring and it's, it's new. It's uncomfortable. I just yeah. want to highlight that. No one gets out of, no one starts to do something new and feels a, a deep comfort with it. Anything that is new 
is uncomfortable. And I like to highlight that. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of times, and I used to do this too. I used to take that initial discomfort to mean, oh, wrong direction. Don't do this thing. Mm. And then I, I couldn't, you know, I'm like, well, no, this, these things are helpful for me. I need to do these things. These things are, so now I've actually changed and the way I reframe it in my own head when I start to feel that resistance that right. like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't like this discomfort of the new, I want to go over here. I now reframe it. And I just remind myself and I'll sometimes say this in my mind, you just feel different than you used to feel. You're just different. You're just feeling mm-hmm. different today. That's it. It's not good or bad. Yeah. You're just having a different feeling because you're doing something new. Of course it's you're just, feeling different. Yeah. So keep on doing that new thing. <laughs> there you go. That's it. That's the word. Keep on keeping on. You got to keep on keeping on. Wow. Man, what a powerful conversation today. Another powerful conversation today. And unfortunately, we're out of time. And you guys, please, please, please get on and follow Dr. Nicole. Um, Doctor, remind us again how people can connect with you after the show, your social media handles and all that stuff. Absolutely. So the best place to find me, because I'm on there every day, is Instagram <laughs> at the.holistic.psychologist. So come join me. Come join all of the self-healers around the world, like I said, that are talking this talk, doing this walk. Come watch me. I'm always posting you know, the things that I'm doing each day and dropping new content. Um, so come find me there through the Instagram. You'll find a link tree that sends you in the direction if you're a YouTuber. I have a YouTube channel. I have a website where I have a free future self journal template. So a really great tool to create conscious change. Um, And like I said, I just really like to highlight the community over there. So if you are resonating with the loneliness of this and the changing relationships of it, know that there are millions literally of self healers out there um, that you can ready for connections. Perfect. Perfect. Doc, thank you so much. Thank you again for having this conversation with me today. You have helped me personally, as well as all the other listeners out here who, um, if they're not, if they're not already self-healing, I'm, I'm sure that what we've talked about, what you've shared today is going to get them off to the right start. And just know, again, I've said it before, I'll say it again, what you're doing for and with the community is so valuable and so needed. And today was another uh, example of that. And I appreciate you, appreciate um, the universe for leading me to you and you even having something to be led to. <laughs> that makes sense. Thank you. I love it. I am so grateful for this <laughs> opportunity to reconnect with you, Roz, and your community. Sincerely, thank you. Awesome. Hey, and listen, I appreciate all of you all listening too. And before we go, just a reminder, if anybody um, who's a business owner is interested in sponsoring the show or advertising on the show, you can find uh, more information about that on my website at roskincaid.com or contact me at hello at roskincaid.com. Uh, Thank you all again for being a part of, for letting us be a part of your day and allowing us to help you along your journey. Meet me right here next week at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific for another episode of Soul Healing Conversations. I'm always going to give you a word. (laughs) So until next time, you guys, you guys be safe, stay connected, stay aware, keep doing the work, keep doing the work, keep being you and just do the best you can to vibrate as high as you can. Until next time. Much love, you guys. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you again for listening to Soul Healing Conversations. Please join Roz Kincaid again for another program next Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again next week.